Bibles with me one last time to John's Gospel, chapter 6. This is our fourth week in this chapter. It's been a joy unspeakable for me as we've been able to delve into some really important parts of the Scripture. And today, we will have the second half of the Bread of Life Discourse, 30 verses. We're not going to read all 30 this morning, but we, will, but we will preach on all 30 of the verses. John chapter 6, <clears throat> and why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read uh, verses 41 and 42, and then we'll read verse 58 through 61. <clears throat> This is God's inerrant and infallible word of God. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of, that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Those are our grumbling sinners. Now verse 58, Jesus says, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this, our grumbling saints? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, sometimes in our lives, and especially in the context of our current world and culture where it seems right before our very eyes, right has become wrong and wrong has become right. It sometimes seems that the differences between believers and non-believers, between true Christianity and false religion is barely discernible. Help us not only to see that difference this morning, but more important, to see why there is a difference. We already know that you are that difference. We pray your spirit will go before your word this morning, comforting and convicting, for it is in your matchless name, the name of Jesus Christ, we pray together. Amen. You may be seated. You're no better than them. You're nothing but a hypocrite. If your congregation knew what you just thought, you are no saint, he whispered to the elder. Who do you think you are? You are nothing but a hypocrite. If your friends in your youth group knew this, you are no saint. You are pathetic, and you know it, he whispers to the Christian Teenager, you're a joke. You're nothing but a hypocrite. 
If your husband knew what you just said, if your wife knew what you just saw, you are no saint. Stop pretending, he whispers to the Christian wife and husband. Of course, the enemy would never whisper something like that to you, would he? But we end our wonderful month together in John 6, right where we left off last week. We're in the middle of the bread of life discourse. Jesus made it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. As was his custom, he made his way into the synagogue. And we see from verse 59 that our text this morning is his teaching. Verse 59, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. By way of remembrance and as an introduction to the 30 verses we have this morning, we saw last week that the Jews, and we can take that uh, as all of the people, or we can take that just as the leaders. There's arguments for both of those. But the Jews said to Jesus, looking for another sign, starting in verse 31 of chapter 6. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. You know, such drama from these guys. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. But these Israelites have selected memory when it comes to those glorious days of, fan, of, of uh, manna eating in the wilderness. Listen to Numbers chapter 11, starting at verse 4. This is uh, where uh, this speaks right to the heart of why this passage and Jesus' words uh, concerning him being the bread of life have so much meaning. Our human obsession with bread and food. Numbers eleven four. Listen to the happy times of manna eating. <clears throat> and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Remember the fish that we ate in Jesus uh, in, in Egypt that cost us nothing. We could have just dropped a net on the side and got those big lunkers and eat them. Now we're stuck. And I love this. Listen to what they say. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Grumble. This is what they do. And it's what we do. And before we get so critical of them, know that we do the same thing all the time. Listen, <clears throat> this new HEB is the Disney world of all grocers. We feasted on king crab this last week, the other day. And hey, if there's anything I personally detest 
more than grocery stores, it's the mall, but they're close. I detest them both. And I will tell you, I have to be begged and guilted into going to the grocery store. Am I telling the truth? Yeah, I am telling the truth. And it's because when I do go to the grocery store, I'm usually not wanted because somehow, magically, these forbidden fruits find their way into the basket and I get chastised for them. I'm still telling the truth there, too. But I love this H-E-B. Now imagine walking into this great temple of grocery gluttony and opening your eyes and seeing every single aisle, every end cap, every cooler, every freezer, every watered-down produce section with nothing but manna. That would have been a good Twilight Zone episode for those of you who know what that is. But do you think we would grumble? Yes, we would indeed. And our text this morning and our teaching this morning is this grumbling. Grumbling over the same words, the same teaching, and in the end, walking away because of this grumbling with all but a handful of Christ's followers. But we have two sets of grumblers to look at this morning. And as we follow our text, it points to first us meeting and seeing the grumbling sinners. We'll see that in verses 41 through 49. The second part will meet the grumbling saints in verses 60 through 65. And then we'll briefly compare the grumbling saints to the grumbling sinners because there is a huge difference. And then in the end, in part three, the only reason for the difference between the grumbling saints and the grumbling sinners, and we already know that it is the sovereign Savior that makes the difference. So to the text, verse 41, let's meet the grumbling sinner. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, this is not Jesus. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother and father we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Number one, the Jews grumbled about him. You notice the text, the Jews grumbled about him. They grumbled about Christ. As we'll see this morning, grumbling is of another nature. They are grumbling about him, and we are at the second Passover of three Jesus will experience during his ministry. A year from now, at the third Passover, there will be no more grumbling by this crowd. They are grumbling now in disgust, now listening to him teach in the synagogue, disagreeing with him. Oh, this would have been me for sure because I can't hide it sometimes. You know, if I hear false teaching sitting in a church or sense goofy nonsense going on, you know, I'll usually try to hold it and then I'll get a plaque in the side. Everybody can see you. Stop it. You know, 
But in short, a year from now, these grumbling sinners will not be grumbling. They will be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Number two, not only did they grumble about him personally, they also grumbled about his choice of words and his teaching, his doctrine. Verse 41 again, the Jews grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. Why do we make such a distinction between words and teaching? Because they are pushing back right now at even the different words that Jesus uses. And the construction in the ESV shows us this very clearly. It gets it right. Jesus says to them, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They repeat it back to him. How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus is using a special Greek tense here, referring to his one time coming as his incarnation from heaven to human. The virgin birth. They don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. They just reject it. Oh, come on, they say in verse 42. Is this not the Jesus that we already know? We know he's got a father, Joseph, and, his, uh, and a mother. Why does he say, now I have come down from heaven? The grumble about him, the grumble is about the words he says, and the grumble is about his teaching. Let's look how Jesus reacts to this grumbling. 43, Jesus answered him. Now, this is important. As we eavesdrop on Jesus' sermon, this is called the bread of life discourse. This is Jesus' sermon in the synagogue. We've already established that from verse, verse 59. So as we eavesdrop on Jesus' preaching here, I want you to put yourself in their place. Imagine you are sitting in the synagogue listening to Jesus as he has just been grumbled to by the grumbling sinners. And ask yourself, how does my heart want this response to be? Ready? They're grumbling, and Jesus reacts. Listen in, and we're just going to read the text. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be all taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has sent the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Oh my. 
Don't you want them to react, Lord, I believe. Yes, you are the bread of life. I believe. Like, almost like how our three grandchildren that are with us here today, Jack, Harper, and Millie, they're with us all weekend. And just how they will react, I already know it, when mom and dad come through the door tonight. Oh, we missed you so much. Cannot wait to put their hands on them. This is how we want them to react. That's how I want to react. That's how you should want to respond. But how tragic, verse 52, after that plea from God Almighty, the second person of the Trinity, 52, the Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus responds, as he often does, brothers and sisters, not with pleading, not with an argument, not to try to change their mind, but with harder words that pierce the soul. Words that have sent countless millions of future grumblers and literal, literal strainers to perdition. Just let these terrible and awful, and I mean that in a sense of terror and awe, listen to these words as they pierce even us 2,000 years later. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, he repeats. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught. That is the last of the grumbling sinners. Discourse complete. Man and message rejected. From this point on, only hatred, jealousy, bitterness, and ultimately murder is on these people's hearts and minds. Now let's meet the grumbling saints. But before we do, we must at least make in passing, don't you think, a comment on that text, the eating of flesh and the drinking of blood. These words, as we know, are the very heart of the Roman Catholic Mass. Literally millions of souls base their salvation on the fact that when the priest consecrates the host, their salvation depends literally on that host changing into Christ's flesh. And John 6 is their text. Just two short words from the reformers themselves this morning. And please, no emails. I'm not attacking another church. This particular person 
or that particular person, I'm attacking another gospel. Luther, this obviously cannot be applied to the sacrament. For many take the latter to their damnation and judgment. It does not confer eternal life on anyone, for they have not been taught and drawn by the Father. Christ is speaking here of the chief doctrine of the true Christian faith, which demands no more and no less that we believe on his flesh and blood. This text is a thunderbolt against the fanatics. Calvin, these words show us that it is a false interpretation to apply this passage to the Lord's Supper. Indeed, it would be both stupid and senseless to talk about the Lord's Supper before it was even instituted. Clearly, Christ is speaking here about the constant and ordinary eating of his flesh by only faith. And then you got to love Calvin. However, I do agree that everything that is said here can figuratively be applied to the Lord's Supper. <laughs> and he's right. Where believers can receive such blessings. Much more to discuss here, I'm sure, and, we'll, and we will, but let's let the giants of the faith who once literally risked their own lives over this topic for such positions have the last say here this morning. On to the grumbling saints in verse 60. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? More whispers. Peter, you too are a joke. You are no better than them. You are nothing but a hypocrite. What would your master say if he knew you were nothing more than a doubter? You are no saint. You make me sick and you make him sick. But now we must see the difference between the grumblers. And this is good news. For oh, doubting Thomas among us, oh, grumbling and tired saint, Beat down, look at these differences and rejoice. First, the sinners grumbled at him. The sinners grumbled and picked apart and parsed his words and his teaching. What are the saints grumbling about? Look at verse 60 again. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? The listen here is the word akuo for hear or understanding. You know why they said that? Because these are hard words. They're hard for us. They were hard for them. Yes, this is grumbling, but it's not the same grumbling at all. Are you grumbling this morning because life is hard you don't recognize the very schools that you went to as a child. You don't recognize the country that you were brought up in. Right is wrong and wrong is right. 
You have a tendency to grumble because of your own lack of faith and frustration, of your own uh, kingdom advancement, lack of assurance, frustration about wanting things the way they should be. Your job, your marriage, your family. Your grumblings are saint grumblings. They come from a heart that wants right and loves Christ, not one that questions him and doesn't love him. Do you need to repent of the grumblings? Absolutely. Are they excuse for sin? No. But look how Jesus reacts to grumbling saints as opposed to how he reacted to the grumbling sinners. Verse 61 again. Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And I love the King James says, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I spoke, my own, they are spirit and they are life. It's like Jesus is saying here, just stop it. I know I said I came down from heaven, and that's, and that's hard, but trust me, just a few more chapters to the right, and you're going to see me, and I'm going to go up to heaven, and you're going to watch me go up to heaven. It's true. Oh, these are hard words. They're hard for sure. But listen, this is my secret to knowing these words he's telling them. The flesh profits you nothing. Silly, the words themselves are spirit and they are life. Do you believe me? Keep believing and don't doubt anymore. Instead of pulling and piling the misery like he did to those who hate and reject him. This is what he does, brothers and sisters. He pours more grace and more grace and more grace to those he's given grace. Hallelujah. Grumbling sinners, grumbling saints, big difference. But why? And this is where we end today with the synopsis of the entire book of John in general and our chapter 6 in particular. Look at verse 64. Jesus says, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. You know, we believe what we believe. We trust our confession to accurately reflect what the Bible teaches. And if you ever want one chapter in the Word of God, if you could have a pen big enough to circle the entire chapter, this is it. What we know as the doctrines of grace just flow through this entire chapter. Total depravity or the inability of man. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Unconditional 
election. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing at all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Limited or a definite atonement of Christ. Verse 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of my death, me, Christ. Irresistible grace, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And finally, same verse, the glorious preservation of the saints. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Those doctrines that we love so much and are so dear to us, they're right here, saints. And as we close out the chapter, let's let the words of the end of this chapter just wash over us as John's purpose for the book that we've seen almost every week in John 20, that we see who Christ is and by believing on him have eternal life, it can't be any more clear than the ending of this glorious chapter. Look at verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Oh, that's sad. We not only know this is true, we could give testimony and names and stories to back that up, can't we? Folks that were with us, strong, vibrant believers that seemed right on the path that just fall away. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And the chapter ends, verse 70. Jesus answered them and said, Did I not choose you twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This sovereign Savior is the sovereign God even over the betrayer of his own life. So the question as we end, brothers and sisters, is not, are you a grumbler? We've established that we have a room full of grumblers this morning. But what kind of grumbler are you? If you're a grumbling sinner, these words in this chapter is for you. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Today is the day of salvation. And if you are a grumbling saint, be encouraged. These words in this chapter is also for you. Look up, and by all means, stop your silly grumbling. Yes, Jesus asks you, do you also want to go away?
And you know your answer. No, Lord. To whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. I believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It was the one and only Charles Haddon Spurgeon that penned those words. He said, he whispers to me, you are no better than them. You are nothing but a hypocrite. If your congregation only knew, you are no saint, says the devil. Spurgeon says, well, if I am not a saint, I am a sinner. And Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Sink or swim, I go to him. Other hope have I none. Let's pray together. Oh, what a chapter you have penned for us, Father. We thank you for its truths. Help us to come back for refreshment time and time again. And Lord, may Peter's confession be ours. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I believe and have come to know that you are the Holy Son of God. Impress that on our hearts, would you, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.